Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Motley Fool Industry Focus. LinkedIn Jobs matches people to your role based on more of who they really are, their skills, interests, even how open they are to new opportunities. For $50 off your first job post, go to linkedin.com slash fool. That's linkedin.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Thursday, September 6th, and we're talking about the home sector. I'm your host, Michael Douglas. I'm joined by Jason Hall. Jason, great to have you on the show. Good to be here. Awesome. Always fun. Always fun. Uh, well, I'm glad. Uh, certainly, I, I like it too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, now, now, I should note, folks, um, this was pre-recorded on August 30th, so... You know, generally when we pre-record things, it's because we don't expect things to massively change. But that's kind of the definition of a black swan event. Sometimes things change, so uh, just keep <laughs> that in mind uh, when we're talking about the various things. Perhaps the entire uh, housing sector's bottom has dropped out. You know, in the intervening uh, week. Um, I, I, I hoping think it'll not. probably take more than a week for that to happen. <laughs> right. But since I've made that statement, <laughs> black swan. Right. Anyone? Right. We're, we're, we are making no predictions about what happens to the housing market in the next week. But, um, but you know, it, it, it's a really big and important part of the economy. I mean, real estate in general, um, certainly if you uh, um, I, I don't know about the I don't know about you, Jason, but but my Facebook is just littered with um, uh, folks trying to market me on uh, real estate investing. And so certainly I'm yeah. hyper aware yeah. of how uh, major the real estate market is to the country's economy. Right, right. It's big. And, you know, I think it's one of those things, too, where, you know, I think we start to there starts to become a little bit of, you know, kind of confirmation bias that creeps in with these kind of things. So, you know, there's been a lot of stuff in, in the news about housing. I think we've seen real estate prices and most markets have pretty much recovered from the from the bottom, from the financial crisis. Um, and, and also, you know, the past few months, there's lots of news about, you know, uh, actually seeing some weakness in, in, in home sales. Um, and then, yeah, things like you're talking about, you know, seeing the, the investment income opportunities for real estate and that sort of thing. Um, so there's there's all these things that people are like, hey, what's what's going on? Are we are we, you know, we're going to see another housing crash? What's happening? So, yeah, I think this is a really, really good, good show to talk about. Well, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Um, so let's 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 hop right in then. So housing starts and existing home sales have been, as you kind of noted, a little weak. I mean, starts were down one point four percent year over year in July, um, which was pretty in line with a week, a very weak June. Um, um, you know, we've also seen uh, some improvement in newly approved building permits, single family permits were up 1.9%. Uh, on the flip side, again, existing home sales fell 0.7% last month, the fourth consecutive month of declines, and the slowest pace in two years. So so there's a lot of different kind of parts to unpack here. So let's let's back up a little bit and, and just talk about, I mean, you know, home home values when it comes down to it, are uh, an element of supply and demand, right? That's what they're a function of. Um, right. and, and so, you know, when demand outstrips supply, uh, prices go up, right? And we have certainly seen prices going up. I mean, median home prices have been up for 77 consecutive months. They're up to Almost two, six and a half years. That's, yeah, that's, which, yeah, which is wild. I mean, it's not quite the bull market, but it's pretty close. Right. And, um, you know, so it's up to $269,600. Um, 
Zillow, which estimates median home value across the country at two hundred eighteen thousand dollars. So obviously some different inputs there. Estimates that values have increased by eight percent year over year as of uh, July, and forecasts another six point eight percent growth in the coming year. So there's a lot of reason. Uh, if you're a, a a homeowner to think, well, okay, you know, this is good. You know, home values and prices are up, um, but there's a lot more to this story. Yeah, there as as there usually is. That's that's for sure. I think I think it's really interesting right now. You look at um, you you look at it, and this is truly. I mean, this is this is about as supply and demand as it gets, right? And I think I think one of the the biggest issues is if you go back to the uh, global financial crisis. Home builders just stopped. You know, this is typically a really leveraged industry. Home builders use a ton of debt to acquire land, so they have a you know like a three-year, four-year inventory of land. So they've got this debt they're paying on an asset that they're not getting a return on, and they won't for a couple of years. So it really hit home builders hard. And 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 essentially, what's happened over the past decade is most home builders shifted to um, more of the premium end of the market. Um, and luxury homes, um, custom homes, weren't really focusing on entry-level um, properties because there was a ton of those already on the market, foreclosures, properties that never sold, and that inventory had to get sucked up before there was any need to, to build to build um, starter homes. So that's, that's a big reason why prices have gone up um, is because it's the inventory situation and where the market has been. Yeah, and, and as you noted, you know, inventory has been very tight. I mean, you know, just consider the average listing closes in under a month, right? Like that means that this is a very tight supply situation. Um, interestingly, as well, I mean, so you noted that home builders have been kind of focusing on, let's say, the premium side of the market. Um, another thing that really affects entry level buyers in particular is interest rates. And what we've seen is, of course, interest rates. You know, those who have listened to Industry Focus for any amount of time know that I, you know, until recently ran the financial show, we talked a lot about interest rates. The Fed keeps increasing them. And so that is going to impact. Um, uh, Folks' ability to afford homes, along with the price, right? Because you know your mortgage is essentially a function. I mean, when you strip out property taxes and and insurance, you know it's a function essentially of home price, how much you can put down, and the interest rate on the rest. And interest rates, like you said, they do particularly affect um, starter home entry level buyers, who generally will have to finance a larger portion um, of the home than, uh, than somebody that's stepping up to a bigger house or something that's downsizing and already has, you know, years or even decades of equity that they're able to apply and, you know, can carry a smaller mortgage. Right. Um, now one of the other pieces with all this, you know, we've been talking about, um, a lot of things that affect entry-level buyers, but on the, on the home builder side, um, obviously there's some, uh, conservatism on their side because they got burned pretty badly in the last crisis. Um, but home building materials have also gotten a lot more expensive. Um, so they aren't. So you know, home builders may be increasing prices. Their margins aren't necessarily getting that much better when they're doing that. Because I mean, just for example, um, you know, uh, Canadian softwood lumber imports uh, have um, some additional duties on them. Uh, Instituted by the Trump administration in April of 2017, so that just kind of helps constrain that supply of materials, making it all more expensive and then more difficult for home builders to then, you know, build these houses and turn a profit or an acceptable profit to them while doing so. Yeah, that, that's an example of a tariff that absolutely directly gets passed right on through to the end consumer, the person that's buying that house. Um, it's passed right along. It's absolutely passed right along. Yeah. Um, la- labor has been a major issue for 
for home builders for five plus years, um, especially in the hottest markets. You know, it's another product of the financial crisis. A lot of, you know, tenured, skilled builders um, got out of the business. You know, they went to do other things because there, there, there weren't any jobs um, building homes. And it's been really difficult uh, for home builders to find good, skilled labor. Um, it's, and these, these guys in a lot of the markets have been able to, to, to make a ton of money. Um, and that's, again, it's been passed on. It's driven up home home prices, and it's also slowed, slowed their ability to, to build inventory quickly enough. Right. Um, so let's let's talk briefly about, okay, so we've talked about the home sector as sort of this like big like thing. Um, let, let's break that down a little bit, like sort of what the kind of general different um, ways of, of thinking about and approaching the home sector are. I mean, obviously, you've got your direct home builders. We'll get more into specifics on all these after the break, but you've got your big, you know, you've got your home builders, the folks who actually, you know, build homes. Um, you've also got, you know, <laughs> the Home Depots and Lowe's of the world, right, who um, are good about sort of the home maintenance and and um, things like that. And so that's been kind of uh, another big part. And then you also have... Uh, <laughs> it's more the kind of the specialist companies. You have some yeah, specialty retailers. Tile shop, lumber liquidators. Yeah. 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 And then you, then you have uh, some of the companies that manufacture the products. And, you know, that could include uh, companies that uh, uh, would lumber companies, you know, for for instance, um, we'll talk about Trex as a company I like that that uh, is is in the decking business. I mean, there are even other ways you could look at REITs that specialize in in um, in, uh, in in property. You could get really obscure and and get into you know companies that manufacture fasteners, for instance, that focus on that are affected by it. But I think the best thing to do, and this is what we'll talk about, we're going to be pretty focused on the companies that are directly affected by housing that kind of get some benefit and leverage from higher prices because people that might be more willing to stay in their home and just invest on improving their home versus, you know, stepping up to a bigger home. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, especially with Lowe's and Home Depot. Right. Yeah, there'll be quite a bit there. Um, so I guess sort of before we head to the break, the big question to consider is, you know, it, the sector has got some some macro headwinds and some macro tailwinds, right? There are, there are things that are definitely negatively impacting the sector, some of which are very much outside their control. But then, you know, the fact that home prices, you know, have been increasing, um, right. you know, it's a bit of a, let's call it a bit of a tailwind. Um, so just generally speaking, Jason, like, how do you think about the sector if you're, if someone's sort of new uh, and thinking about like, hey, is this a macro trend to invest in? You know, what would you tell them? I think I think so. I think the first thing I would cautious any, caution anyone that hasn't invested um, in housing or really doesn't understand housing very well is to understand that it can be viciously cyclical from you know uh, one almost one quarter to the next, especially when you look at stock prices for home builders. Um, so so you have to you have to kind of understand that going into it. But if you think about it from a long term perspective, there is a very big uh, macro trend in terms of millennials that are starting to move into the housing market. And you also have um, uh, retiring baby boomers who are starting to downsize and relocate. So there are some really strong trends that really, I think you could look at a decade of potential growth with the caveat that there are going to be cycles up and down over that period. But I think if you look a decade from now, I think if you invested in a basket of high quality companies exposed to housing, I think in general, you would you would do pretty well. Yeah. So, all right. We'll we'll head to the break uh, with that, and then we'll talk about specific um, specific stocks next. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Motley Fool Industry Focus. 
LinkedIn Jobs matches people to your role based on more of who they really are, skills, interests, even how they open open they are to new opportunities. That's why a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. LinkedIn is more than the world's largest professional network. It's also, frankly, a better way to find great talent. You post to job boards and hope you'll find the right person for your job, but, but I mean, think about it. How often do you actually check job boards, right? For most people, it's a pretty occasional thing. But there's a place where people go daily to grow professionally and to explore job opportunities. In fact, 70% of the U.S. workforce is there, and that's LinkedIn. They have really quality candidates, too. I mean, businesses rate LinkedIn jobs 40% higher than other job boards at delivering quality candidates. So hurry to linkedin.com slash fool for $50 off your first job post. Again, that's linkedin.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Jason. So let's talk about specific ways to invest. And I, I think it's inevitable. We're talking about homes. They're these things that you build. Let's start with the home builders. That's a that's a great place to start. I think. I think. Um, of course, it's also it's also the 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 most leveraged, most cyclic, uh, cyclical um, part of if if you want if you want to be, invest in housing, uh, home builders are the ones that are going to are going to be the biggest roller coaster. You know, I think I think you have to acknowledge that going in. Um, just for instance, um, you go back to uh, in May. Um, uh, I was on industry focus. And uh, we actually talked about some home builders and actually we talked about some of the, the home builders we're going to talk about today. Uh, since that time, since we recorded that show on May 3rd, um, those the three so we're here, we're going to talk about NVR, LGI Homes and Meritage Homes since and, then. And, and those and those tickers real quick. Uh, sorry to yeah, interject. You are NVR, NVR is, is NVR. <laughs> NVR. LGI Homes is LGIH. Yep. And that's important to remember because there is an LGI ticker and it's not the home builder. <laughs> right. And then you have Meritage Homes, which is MTH. Yes. Uh, since since May, uh, they're down, the stocks are down 16%, uh, 20%, and 7% respectively. As of August um, 30th. So, of course, your mileage will vary a little bit based on hearing right. this on September yeah. 6th. But you get the idea. They're down. Yeah, they're they're down. They're down, and then the reason they're down is the things that we talked about, right? You look at you look at um, the housing data that, that the National Association of Realtors and the National Association of Home Builders provide. Um, that the census data with you know housing starts, um, interest rates haven't gone up, so you know these numbers come out and the market reacts relatively quickly. And home builders typically get the biggest boost when things are good in the short term and get the biggest beating when things are down in the short term. So so essentially that's what you have. Um, and again, the reason that happens is because these are companies that are relatively leveraged. You know, they tend to use a ton of debt for an asset, their land they're going to sit on for a few years before they get any return for it. So so that's what happens. So let me let me I guess we should talk about why I like these companies. Yeah, well and and so it's interesting because heading back to the earlier part of our conversation, you know, one of the things that you really noted was that like a lot of home builders have kind of gone toward the premium end of the market. But um, in a lot of ways, uh, LGIH and MTH, uh, that's LGI Homes again and uh, Meritage, have um, kind of uh, zigged where everyone else has zagged, right? They're really focused on starter homes. Yeah, and they're, and they're smaller. Um, they're, uh, Meritage Homes is one of the top 10 builders. LGI is not quite that big. Um, but they're, they're not the scale of some of these others. So that that means that their focus on starter homes, you know, they've been able to be a little nimble, and it I think it gives them more upside in terms of being able to leverage this opportunity. Um, you look at LGI Homes; it's it's very focused. You know, the vast majority of its 
of its of its homes that it builds are are starter communities. Uh, sales went up. I don't know what did we see twenty nine percent in the second quarter. Uh, earnings per share surged like forty eight percent. Raised guidance. Uh, it's it's really it's it's absolutely killing it. And here's the funny thing too: uh, gross margins were over twenty six percent in in the quarter. A lot of home builders are, are happy to see twenty percent. So twenty six percent gross margin is remarkable, and that's building starter homes, uh, which actually can be more profitable than building custom homes or building uh, building uh, in the premium end of the market. So that's an interesting thing there. Uh, Meritage is a little bit of a different story. Um, it hasn't historically focused as much on starter homes, but about three years ago, um, the CEO um, said, "You know, let's 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 really focus on this market." And they started acquiring more properties to to start focusing on on building starter homes. So now, about seventy five percent of the land that they buy is dedicated to entry level housing. It's really paid off. Their sales have come up their average sales price is falling as they're selling more of these starter homes, mm-hmm. but it's driving their gross margins up as, as a result, uh, earnings per share, their, their, you know, pre-tax net income has gone up double digits in like five quarters in a row. So it's really, really paying off. Yeah. No, there's a lot of stuff to like there, I think. Um, should we, uh, should we head on to home improvement? We can do, we can do that. All right, let's do it. So, um, Let's start with the ones everyone knows, right? Home Depot and Lowe's, um, which, you know, I've certainly spent far more time as a relatively new homeowner. I've spent far more time in both of those stores than I <laughs> than, than, than I had ever previously expected to. I've, I'm, I'm with you there. We're, we're about five years into the house that we're in now and uh, I live in Southern California. So uh, just for some context, you know, I would I would love to have a median home price of $269,600. Yeah, living in the DC um, area, I'm I'm kind of with you there. Yeah, it's yeah, DC area, it's kind of the kind of the same way. We're we you know, we're you know, we're coastal elitists, I I, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but yeah, no, spent spent a lot of time in in my local Home Depot with a lot of do-it-yourself projects. So, but you know, we're we're you you and I are there's there's a lot of other people all across the US doing the exact same thing. And I think if you just look at the performance of 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 you know, both of these companies, you know, Home Depot stocks up 70% over the past year. Lowe's is up 58%. You know, they're just absolutely crushing it. Uh, the interesting thing about both companies, um, they're, especially in the U.S., you know, they've, they've kind of reached a certain amount of critical mass in terms of their store count. You know, yeah. They're having to be a lot more nimble about where they add stores, um, looking at relocations, you know, expansions, that sort of thing. Uh, but they're still growing sales, you know, six, seven percent a year. That's almost all same store sales growth, which is amazing for a retailer. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, and it's interesting because when I think about Home Depot and Lowe's, um, I tend to think so. You know, one of the problems with most retail is that showrooming can happen, right? So you know, you can go out, you know, fiddle with the thing, and then go buy it on Amazon, right? And with Home Depot and Lowe's, that's a little bit tougher because you know, you're, you're, you're. You know, cutting a piece of lumber to precise specs, you can't really do that online nearly as easily, and and so there's a lot of reasons to think that they are relatively, I'm putting that in scare quotes, relatively um, insulated from this sort of e-commerce effect that's really impacted a lot of uh, a lot of retailers. Um, yeah, I, I will, I will, I will put this one caveat in there, just please, because I do. Um, I just I just bought a lawnmower on Amazon. Um, 
and it was a better deal than what I get signed from Home Depot. But with that caveat, Home Depot has done an incredible job of building out their online presence. Mm-hmm. And I bought in the past couple of years, uh, we bought a new washer uh, and dryer. Uh, we both came from Home Depot, found them online. The local store delivered them. Um, I've bought a number of, of uh, tools online and gone to the local store to pick them up. And that's actually something Home Depot's management has really done a great job of is making the what are the omni omni channel, I guess they call it, where you get integrate all of your different your different channels together. They've done a really good job of making it so seamless to, to buy something on online, go to the local store to pick it up. And I can tell you a third of the time or more when I've done that, I end up picking up something else that I forgot or something else that I decided that I needed. Yes. Well, that's the beauty of the uh, mm-hmm. the Home Depot run. There's always more. Um, by the way, <laughs> folks, that's uh, the, those ticker symbols are uh, for Home Depot HD, uh, like Home Depot, and then for Lowe's, it's L-O-W. Um, right. So – in terms of the, the two companies, you know, how do you sort of distinguish between the two? Because I think uh, on a surface level, they look very, well, similar. Yeah, they, they do. They do. And, and the funny thing about, about it, too, is that with these two companies, it's really easy to establish a personal bias based on your customer experiences. Right. So, you know, that's and, and that can vary from, you know, one town to the next. You know, we, we have, you know, I have Home Depot that's close and they're, they're really good. So I love Home Depot as a, as a customer. Um, you know, I've, you know, I've got a good friend that lives a, a town over that he has a, a Lowe's two miles. I'll let you guess which company he likes better. So, <laughs> right. so, so I, I think that, you know, it's, so you, let's, let's talk about some of the kind of the metrics behind it here. So you think about from a valuation perspective, they're really close, you know, Home Depot trades for like 23 and a half times trailing, uh, earnings 22.7 times for Lowe's. Um, they both have a dividend that's between one and a half and two percent yield. So these aren't huge income stocks, but they're both growing their dividend pretty, pretty well. Um, I think Lowe's has a little more opportunity maybe to grow its store base, but it's, it's smaller. It's a smaller, you know, a little bit smaller retail company, but it's not substantial. I think, I think I would probably say on the, I th- probably Home Depot. I think just because if you look at its performance. Um, it has a little more stability with in management. Lowe's has a new CEO in place who's been there less than a year. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, continuity in management is 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 important. Uh, I think the bigger the bigger concern for for these kinds of companies is they can be more affected by you know the consumer side of the economy than a home builder would. So, for instance, if we see um, a recession because consumer spending gets gets hit, um, chances are if somebody's committed to buying a house, you know they're 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 committed to buying a house, but somebody might put off that you know that new lawnmower or you know the new patio furniture um, or the new barbecue grill if if they need to tighten the belt up a little bit. So so I think you know it comes to kind of the, the short term issues with, you know, consumer spending, you know, I think Lowe's and Home Depot are a little bit more exposed. Uh, but again, I think if you look at over the long term, you know, these companies have great balance sheets, uh, very strong cash flows. They do a really good job returning, uh, you know, getting return on investments. Um, I think over the long term, they should they should both perform relatively well. But I just I like Home Depot's management better. I think it's more established um, and, and that that should continue to pay off for better returns. Yeah, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so so let's turn from these folks. Do you want to talk uh, specialties next, or 
What do you think? Yeah, let's 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 run through uh, run through the specialties, and you know, I, I want to talk about them because I think this is this is an area where investors need to be kind of cautious, extra because, cautious. <laughs> yep. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Because you know, if you, you if you think about you know companies that can do really well in a niche. You, know, you think about lumber liquidators, which does flooring. You think about you know um, tile shop, which hey they sell tile. Um, floor it's and in decor, the name, which, you know. Yeah, it's in the name, right? Exactly. You think floor and decor. They sell flooring and they sell tile. Um, the, the 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 these are industries that, to a certain extent, seem really ripe for consolidation. Because if you think about it on a national basis, yeah, Home Depot and Lowe's they got some tile, they got some flooring. They don't have much of either. And they don't really have a lot of the high-end, nice, like really fancy stuff. Yeah. But every town has half a dozen, you know, of each of these little stores that you can go into, right? And and so, you know, I mean, the vast majority of, of national sales come out of these small little shops. So the opportunity to consolidate and, and develop a national, you know, platform, you think you get the benefits of scale and all that kind of stuff and should lead to great returns. But um, it's, it's been kind of tough going for, for investors in these companies over the past couple of years, especially lumber, lumber liquidators and tile shop. Right. And, and by the way, tickers, tile shop, TTS, uh, lumber liquidators, LL. Um, yeah, it's, re- it's been, it's been a rough, <laughs> a rough go. It, it has. And, you know, lumber liquidators, I think the, the biggest story is you, you, you go back a few years and, you know, there was the 60 minutes report about cancer and Chinese made flooring and, um, short sellers were behind the whole thing. I mean, it was, it got really ugly and, you know, the, the company pulled the products and, you know, that there was, they, they did all these studies of the products and essentially d- determined that there was no significant risk here, right? It cost the company millions of dollars and it's just now at the point of, of, of settling, um, it's, it's remaining litigation about this stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it's carried on and on and on and it affected, you know, the brand reputation. Um, and it's just been a real struggle. And, you know, at, at the same time, the company has, has made changes and it started to recover, but it's, it's comp sales haven't returned. Traffic is still way down. Um, the company still valued relatively high based on its earnings. Um, so, so it's, you know, it's just, I'm not, I own shares of the company mainly because I bought a long time ago and I, I continue to follow it. Um, but but I, I'm not convinced that I would I would look to buy lumber liquidators right now and uh, tile shop for a little bit of a different reason. Um, it's had a ton of turnover in its management. It brought in a new CEO uh, a few years ago who did what looked like an excellent job. Comps turned around, sales really recovered, profits were surging. The company started a dividend, uh, and then margins started getting squeezed, pricing started getting tight, and abruptly the C- that CEO is out the door. The founder of the company is back in charge as interim CEO. Um, it's, it's reported relatively poor quarters the past couple of quarters as it's shifting its focus away from kind of low price and trying to move back into like the higher end stuff. Um, and margins are going up, gross margins are going up, but profits are still not that good. And there, there's also issues with traffic. So again, you know, you think about Home Depot and Lowe's that are growing, you know, these mid- uh, you know, mid single digit comps numbers and these specialty retailers, just these lumber liquidators and tra- and um, tile shop, they're not seeing tr- higher traffic. And right now is a time that you should be seeing higher traffic, and and they're not they're not delivering. So I'm I'm just not convinced right now that 
that uh, it's 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 a good time to buy those companies. But you are a little bit more bullish on Trex, which is ticker symbol TREX, and they a lot of what they do is a laminate decking. Yeah, so Trex is a manufacturer, right? So this is this is it's a completely different different situation, and this is this is a company that that coming through the the, the financial crisis and Great Recession was frankly was on the on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, because of some debt that it carried and 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 uh, class action lawsuits with problems with products that were would develop mildew and 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 anyway, a new CEO came in about a decade ago, uh, brought in a new executive team, including the current CEO who was the CFO under um, um, the the prior CEO who basically turned the company around. They focused on developing better products. Really did a great job with marketing those products. Uh, have the best distribution by far in the industry. They have almost half of market share for this wood alternative green decking. Oh, by the way, Trex is ticker T R E X. Yes. Um, so the company has established this huge lead over anybody X, anybody else in the in this alternative wood decking market, and has made for an incredible investment. Um, it's just and, and and I think in terms of opportunity. For growth, it's it's very good. Even though it has about you know, 46, 47 percent of the of the market for the wood alternative decking, it has less than 10 percent of the total volume of, of decking sold. So if you actually include wood, um, it has a small fraction of the market. So there's tremendous room for growth, um, and, and I think that the macro trend of um, millennials becoming larger participants in the in the home ownership um, arena is, is, is a good trend for tracks because these are consumers who also tend to focus more on, uh, environmentally friendly products. Um, and that's something that, you know, a completely recycled, uh, decking board that, you know, can last 20 years doesn't require the chemicals, uh, stains and cleaners that, that wood decking require. Um, I, I think that's just another really strong tailwind that, that should continue to drive tracks for a long time. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and uh, full disclosure, I have a deck, <laughs> and I'm thinking about <laughs> replacing it at some point. So, uh, you know, th- there's 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 stuff there. Um, it's interesting because when you when you look at the the home, I mean, I, I think people tend to think, um, I, I would say uh, to some extent incorrectly, that real estate is this sort of like super safe investment. And uh, there's really plenty of good evidence to say that that might not be the case. Um, but you know, what you really have here is these different tranches where you've got you know the the home builders. Um, which are, I think it's fair to say, um, high, high, ri- fairly high risk, high reward. Um, you've got um, your really, really big retailers again, your Lowe's and your and your Home Depots that are um, fairly low risk and provide some potential reward. Kind of hard to say for sure because they've kind of hit saturation. So let's say fairly low growth from here. Although again, those same store sales as you noted are really good. Um, and then you've got the specialty retailers, which. Again, kind of higher on the risk reward spectrum because you know if they're able to triple store count, then like okay, that's interesting, right? But uh, the question is, what's really going to happen? Um, and then you've got you know manufacturers like Trex, um, which can be um, sometimes fairly sleepy businesses, but um, that can can provide some pretty impressive growth if kind of well managed and in a in a good niche. Um, if someone's thinking, you know, I want to get some exposure to uh, to the the home sectors, and you know they've they've got let's say some you know risk appetite. You know where where do you tend to think kind of might make the most sense? So I'm I'm pretty bullish on on home builders right now. 
um, again, with the, with the caveat, like you said, with the, with the risk because of the leverage. And I, I'm a really big fan of, of LGI Homes, um, which has a lot more leverage than a lot of the other home builders. So there's, again, there's that caveat. But I think in terms of upside opportunity, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I think, I think the market's also kind of pricing, pricing in a lot of that risk right now. Sure. It, it, it trades for, let's see, what does it trade for? It trades for like 8.9 times trailing earnings, which might seem like crazy super low. Home builders, because of the leverage and the, and the high risk, they tend to trade for cheaper multiples than, than, than most stocks do. Um, uh, compared to Meritage Homes, Meritage trades for about 10 times earnings. So you see there's, you know, it's, it's, it's actually trading for a cheaper multiple um, than a bigger or slightly less risk stock. So I, I, I like LGI Homes if you're willing to take on that risk. If you're interested in a home builder and you, you want to reduce some of that risk exposure, I think NVR is worth a look uh, because it tends to use a lot of options contracts to buy land. So it doesn't outlay a bunch of capital and take on debt um, that can affect its, its, you know, its price to finally acquire that land might might be affected a little bit because it you know, pays a premium to, to hold the option to buy that land. Um, and if it backs out, it, it gives that money up. But it puts it in a much better situation if the housing market were to deteriorate very rapidly, where it's not exposed to so much leverage uh, and debt that it has to continue to 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 uh, to maintain. So NVR is worth worth a look as well. And it's you know multiple has come down. It trades for about seventeen times trailing earnings right now, and it often trades above twenty times. So it's it's I think it's it's a pretty good value right now too. Yeah, no, there um, there are there are a lot of good things to like about these companies, and I mean, again, of course, a lot depends on your risk appetite. Um, the other thing that I'll note here is that, you know, when when approaching a new um, a new sector, so you know, for folks who are perhaps not as familiar or as knowledgeable about the home sector, it, it, it's often useful to. Um, kind of try to construct an ETF sort of out of a few different companies just to mm-hmm. kind of give you exposure to different pieces, kind of understand how they interlock with each other, and to also make sure that you haven't put all of your eggs in one basket. So just something to consider as uh, as you're kind of pondering your portfolio allocations if you're excited about homes. Yeah, and I think you also don't you don't have to buy all of your exposure to one company all at one time. I think you know buying in thirds or some other method of, of adding shares over a period of time is a good idea uh, because it can allow you to, to get in at better value points. It can also allow you to learn more about the company and the industry um, and, and really understand your investment better too. So I, I think I, I really want uh, people to, to highly consider Trex too. Because I mean, you look at the stock and it's up like 700% over the past five years, which is like, wow, that's crazy. All the best money's made. Why would I buy that stock? Uh, it has a $5 billion market cap. It's still a pretty small company. I mean, that's, you know, are you going to get 660% returns over the next five years? Maybe, pro- probably not. Uh, but I still think that its potential to outperform the market is absolutely still there. It's such a high quality company, such a good management team. They do such a good job with capital allocation and the, and the opportunity to grow is just, it's tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. No, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to like there. All right. Well, folks, that's it for this week's Energy Industrial Show. Questions or comments, you can always reach us at industryfocus@fool.com. As always, people in the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. The show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Jason Hall, I'm Michael Douglas. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it.